Welcome to the Radiant Visalia podcast. Join us at one of our two services, 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. Download the Church Center app or visit our website, radiantvisalia.com, to stay connected with us. All right, enjoy. Travis um, called me up, said, hey, would you come and talk about adoption at church? And um, I thought that was really uh, interesting that he would ask me to do that because it's probably, Lord has a good sense of humor, probably been my greatest struggle as a Christian is, to, is in the area of identity. Um, so, you know, I'm just saying that because God takes joy in standing the least likely up in front of everybody. Sometimes we think that when we are standing in front of people and bringing a teaching or a message, well, that person, they have it all down. Well, this woman doesn't have it all down. I'm in a process just with you, long with you, in learning this truth about who God has made me to be. And I'm really convinced in my heart this, this is one of the greatest messages that we could hear. And yet in saying that, we're going to talk an identity and adoption as being a son or daughter of God. I'd say probably a good portion of you would go, well, I'm checking out. This isn't important. Let's get to Ephesians 3, 4, and 5, and 6, especially 6, where we're going to fight the devil. I want to know how to get along with my wife, my work people, my children. I want to know how to have good relationships. I want to know how to do this stuff. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, that none of us are going to do anything unless we know the truth of what our Heavenly Father has done for us. I think, really, that's why there are so many shaky lives, because we have shaky doctrine. And doctrine just means teaching. We, we, we will skip Ephesians 1 because it's full of words like righteousness and sanctification and atonement and... Just these words that kind of like we sort of know what they mean, but we don't know how they work themselves out in our life. So I'm going to try in about 20 minutes, joke, to get us to see what this word adoption means for us in our life. And um, I wish I would have had myself together, which I don't. But I, I could have got Eric to do this picture so we could all see it. But this was in the Fresno Bee, and it's a picture of adoption of two, I don't know if you guys in the back can see it, of two little Haitian boys. Tim, my husband, he knows this family right here. And this is the little boy that got adopted. And here's another little boy that got adopted. And the top little boy looks very happy and very pleased to be in the family. 
the bottom little boy looks a little like, oh man, <laughs> oh man. And you know, I think sometimes as God's sons and daughters, I think we got look more like this one because we don't know our papa. And um, I, I want to uh, just start by we're going to um, get your Bibles and open them up to Ephesians. Actually, before we go to the, what I'm going to talk on Ephesians, I want you to turn to Galatians 4. God has set something here. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Now, I read in a kind of a different Bible. It's called the Amplified. That might throw some of you. It's a little wordy. But I like things kind of spelled out for me because when I hear things over and over again, they don't mean anything after a while. Well, this Bible just... It it takes certain words, and it it spells it out. It paints a picture for us. So um, just bear with me if you think, where is she getting all those words? It's my Bible. All right, Galatians 4 says, But when the proper time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born subject to the regulations of the law. To purchase the freedom, to ransom, to redeem, to atone for those who were subject to the law, that we might be adopted and have sonship conferred upon us and be recognized as God's sons. And because you really are his sons, God has sent the Holy Spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father or daddy, father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, a bondservant, but a son. And if a son, then it follows that you are an heir by the aid of God through Christ. Okay, I wanted to read this because the letter of Ephesians is written to saints. That's us. Didn't, not sinners, saints. That's us. We are saints. The letter was written to believers in a church. And so how do you know that you're a a son or a, a child of God is that you are born again? Okay? That means that you have received the Holy Spirit to live within you. That self you are no longer calling the shots for your life that you have believed in one greater than you and ask him to come and live within you so i just want to make that clear because we're not going to address unbelievers that's not what the who, who this letter is to it's to us to saints okay we are saints So Paul is writing to us. So that means everyone in this room who's hearing me talk, you're a Christian. You're a child of God. 
you're a son or becoming a son. Okay, so let's turn over and read Ephesians. Um, I'm going to start in um, verse 3. It says, May blessing... This is Ephesians 1, verse 3. May blessing, praise, eulogy be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual given by the Holy Spirit, blessing in the heavenly realm. Even as in his love he chose us, he actually picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy, consecrated and set apart for him and blameless in his sight, even above reproach, before him in love for he... foreordained us, he destined us, planned for us in his love to be adopted, revealed as his own children through Jesus Christ in accordance with the purpose of his will because it pleased him and it was his kind intent. So I want to talk to you that God has adopted us to be his children I, I just want to say that you are adopted. You are not Jesus. We have been adopted as his children. That means we have been grafted in. And some of us, we live in a valley. I, I just was thinking this morning again as I was walking, looking at some walnut groves and looking at all the grafts. You know, If you took an ornamental orange tree, it wouldn't bear fruit unless it was grafted. The same with walnuts. They won't bear fruit unless they're grafted. And they're grafted in. And, you know, I heard heard an Indian once tell me that when a graft is made, it's the trunk that pushes the sap into the graft and causes the graft to come alive. And that's a picture of us, of our lives. It's like the, when we're grafted in, when, when, when God's, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us, God's love, his love in us, that sap pushes out into our lives. Okay? And that's just the opposite of how some of us live. So um, I thought that was kind of cool as I was thinking about it this morning. Um, it says that it's like from the beginning that God planned to be our father. He had this plan from the very beginning of time that he would have many sons and daughters. I think he's the most sanguine of all people. He likes relationship, and he likes to talk, and he likes to listen, and he wants to have relationship with you and I. Okay, so he's planned for us. That word foreordained, someone says, oh, well, he picked me to be his child, but he didn't pick my next-door neighbor. No, it means he planned. He, 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 he's had a plan for us to come. And t- it's like we think, well, I chose to become a Christian, 
and you did, but once you choose it, then you understand that God already chose you. Isn't that, you know, kind of a tricky little thing? It's like we, we on the other side of everything good that we do or every choice that we make, before that choice is always God. It's crazy, you know. He picked me. I was not raised in a Christian home. I never heard the name of God in my home. I didn't know anything about this book, nothing. He came after me, and he chose me. It's a miracle that I'm a Christian. And I look back on it, and I think, oh, well, I chose to be a Christian. No, he chose me. His love picked me first. Okay, so um, I think the most important to having a, sta- a stability in your life is having assurance that you're a child, that you are a child of God. Um, I just want to just kind of take a little detour here, and I want to talk about um, God. But actually, you know, when I used to pray when I was a young Christian, I always used to say God all the time. You know, I hardly ever say that anymore. That word never even comes because I have a papa. I have a dad. And he's my father. And I address my father all the time. But I didn't do that when I was first saved. And I'm going to, some of those reasons maybe you guys can identify with. Well, first of all, I did not have any, I, I love Jesus. Jesus, I love. Jesus was good. Jesus was kind. Jesus was faithful. Jesus had power. Jesus loved me, died for me. Jesus, I loved. The Holy Spirit, he's kind of wild and adventuresome. I loved him too. But Father, no. It was God. And... um. Probably, I, I didn't really understand this, how I felt, until something really tragic happened in my life. And I can remember I was having this prayer time, and I said, you are so hard. You are so hard. Why are you doing this to me? I feel like you're trying to, You're just up there, and you're waiting for me to do the wrong thing. You're waiting for me to screw up. You're waiting for me to say something wrong. You, I can't please you. I mean, this is just coming out, you know, of the depths of my being. And on the other side of that, what I began to see about my life is that I had no idea who my Heavenly Father was. None. And I was... uh, married to Tim, and um, it's really crazy. I'd been a Christian for a long time, and it was right after we got married that um, the Lord started taking me back and showing me some things in my childhood and how I related to my earthly father. And um, I always knew growing up that my dad loved me. My dad was a military man and an authoritarian. He will tell you that. I'm not dishonoring him by saying that. He takes pride in it. And um, I, I did not know what it meant to have a dad that wanted to talk to you, 
just to visit that was soft, that was tender, that was patient, that was kind, that always believed the best. I didn't I had no idea what that meant. I had a father that you worked there was you you needed to do things right. You needed to work hard in your life to have any worth and to have any value. And I, I don't I'm not angry with my dad. This is how he was raised, so he's passing it on, right? But how so many of us sitting in here we don't have this intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father because we are filtering Him through our earthly dads and how our relationships are with our earthly dads. If, you, if your earthly dad doesn't visit with you, I will bet you anything your prayer life isn't too good because you think... God, your heavenly father doesn't really want to talk to you either, right? Or if your earthly dad was big on performance and you having to do everything perfect and there were just, you could never please, you could never do it good enough, you could never get it right, then I bet you kind of pass that on to God, your heavenly father, feeling that way. If you have an earthly father that's not generous to you, I just probably venture to believe that you don't believe your heavenly father will be generous to you. If your father didn't protect you, I bet you feel that God in heaven is powerless or he doesn't care. You kind of have to go either way. If he didn't provide for you, I bet you struggle with not believing that your Heavenly Father is going to provide for you. Because we filter how we look at God through our earthly dads many times, much of the time. So I had to take some time and start looking at my Heavenly Father and really getting to know him and what the word says he is. And, you know, the first passage of scripture that he took me to and had me start with was 1 Corinthians 13. And I think he must have had me read that for I don't know how long, over and over and over again. And and every place that said love, he had me put his name, God. God is patient. My father is patient. God is kind. My father is kind. God is not boastful, prideful envious. You know, I just kept reading it over and over and um, it, it really began to kind of shift something inside of me to help me to see that my father is unconditional in his love and in his acceptance for me. You know, sometimes we want to withhold accepting someone when they're doing wrong, when they're making wrong choices. Because we think if we withhold love and acceptance from them, then they'll change. They'll change their behavior. I, I used to do this, man. I've tried it. I've tried it with my kids. You just ask them. And it never changed their behavior. It never changed them. You know, the greatest platform to change is acceptance. And our Father in Heaven knows that. 
When we feel accepted, when I walk into anybody's presence, even if I'm being a jerk and I feel like they absolutely accept me, you know what? My jerkiness begins to change. You see, and our Father, he, I'm not saying He accepts our sin. He does not accept our sin because He knows it, it's going to kill us and He loves us. We're the object of His affection. But He accepts us even when we are sinning. He does. We'd all be hard up if we, if, if we didn't understand that. You know, He loves us. It's unconditional, His love. For us, And I'm speaking to you because you're his children. I'm not talking to unbelievers now. I'm talking to people who are my brothers and sisters in the Lord, who are children of God. Because we, we, somehow or another, I think we think this thing with being a child of God is kind of tenuous. I'm his child when I'm doing everything right. But when I'm screwing up, then I'm not his child. That's not true. I mean, I'm, I'm a mom. I'm a human mom. And no matter how much my children would screw up in life, uh, I, they're still my children. They're my children. I would never disown them or cut them off from, from my life. And how much greater is our Heavenly Father's love and commitment towards us? Um, I wrote down some scriptures to, that you guys could... Um, Romans 8.35 is a, to the end of the chapter, is a great, if you are feeling insecure in his love for you, it says, who can separate us from his love? John 10, 27, 28 says, my sheep know me, they hear my voice. I give eternal life. Um, no, none shall perish. No one will, shall snatch them out of my hand. She's kind of broken up but those are those assurances that we have a father who loves us and who has brought us into his family we live in his house with him we are his children and that truth is unalterable in our lives it doesn't change according to circumstances or our feelings that, that, that is truth that we have to plan ourselves on. So this is what I see is we're all, we were all over here, and then our Father, through his great love, picked us up and translated us over here. Okay, this is who we are. Positionally, this is who we are, sons and daughters. Okay? We have all the rights, it says this, that Jesus has. All the rights to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to preach, to teach. We have all those rights, all that authority that was in Jesus. He gave to us, and, in, and it resides in us right now, right now. But what I feel that we keep doing is trying to get it because our emotions and what we believe is still over here. See? See? Something goes wrong in your life. Husband leaves you. Wife leaves you. Something goes wrong in a relationship with a close friend. Something goes wrong with you in your job. Maybe you find you have no provision. 
I mean, it's endless in this world. Things go wrong. Suffering comes. And you know what? When things go wrong, now we get to see what we really believe. If we really are a son, if we really are a daughter, okay? And what I have found pretty much is that I think most of us struggle with these orphan mentalities. We think orphan thoughts. We, we, we think thoughts like, well, if I don't take care of myself, no one else will. Huh? If I don't protect myself, no one else will. Better get a gun. If I don't provide for myself, no one else will. If I don't work really hard, if I don't dress right, do my hair right, put on the right makeup, I'm not going to be popular. No one's going to like me. If I don't go to the gym and work out, I'm not going to have a hot gal. I'm not going to have what I want in life if I don't get it, if I don't do it, if I don't provide, if I don't protect myself. Those are all come from a person who doesn't have a daddy. See, those are called orphan thoughts, striving, always arguing, always fighting, always comparing yourself with the person who sits next to you who seems like they're succeeding or more better than you. They're smarter, they're prettier, they're this, they're that. And you're comparing and you're measuring and you're jealous and all that stuff comes from a person who doesn't know that they've got a daddy who absolutely adores them, who loves them, who wants to be with them, who wants, who takes great pleasure in their lives. See, we want to get rid of those orphan thoughts because they affect everything you do in your life. Every relationship you have, every, every ounce of conversation you have with people. You ever talk to somebody while you're talking to them? You know they're not hearing a word you're saying. You know, so we, we, um, I, I, I think when these thoughts begin to hit us in our mind, I feel like what happens, see, it's this whole shift that happens inside of us. That's why I, lo- I just so loved worship because we were singing the truth. It's like there was a part of the song where we were pouring our heart out, like, identifying with our humanity and our humanness, our brokenness, our need for God. But then in all those songs, there was a shift where we started declaring the truth. I mean, I shall not be in want. I shall not be in want. Why why do we feel his presence in worship? Because we're beginning to say the truth to him. See, it's all right to to go to your father and say, man, life sucks and everything hurts and I'm not doing it. It's all right. Pour your heart out. But somehow in the midst of that, you have to shift and begin to say the truth by faith because when you say the truth, it opens up heaven and he comes to meet your faith. He comes to meet it. Okay? But we base our life on our feelings. I mean, there was a couple little things that... 
I, I wrote down that, um, so, so when we're in the house, when we're abiding with our father, our focus is on who? Daddy. Oh, my gosh, when, he walk, when he's in that house, there, there is so much joy and love and peace. I mean, you, you feel energized. You, you're just going for life. You feel great. When you start having orphan thoughts, the shift is you start thinking about who? Yourself. You start, it's the me, myself, and I stuff. You become the sinner instead of God being the sinner, instead of your father being the sinner. Okay. Emotions, they reveal your beliefs. We think and then we feel, right? So you need to think about what you're thinking about. And I just wanted to say this, that life's events don't determine who you are. They don't determine who you are. Yeah, that is a thank you, Lord. It's what you believe about those events that determine who you are. Not, not, not what happens. Okay, I just, um, I want to close this by just, uh, just could go on and on and on about this. You know, one of the things that in the songs that we were singing was that we can never be away from our Father, that he will always come after us. He will always be with us. And I was thinking, well, how can that happen? I, you know, you can walk out of here and go, Psh. I'm never going to church again. I'm never reading the word again. I'm not praying. I'm done with this stuff. I'm not going to have anything to do with him. I'm through. I'm through. And I just believe that the power of the love of God will not let you go. You may take off, but his spirit is within you. You know, I don't know if any of you have ever wanted to move to another town or move to another job or go somewhere else because things were difficult, but I want to tell you, you take your heart with you wherever you go. Wherever you go, you will take your heart. And if you are a child of God, you will take the Holy Spirit with you. And you will. we love that conviction. Our Father is the hound of heaven, and he convicts us. You know, if you feel like you're doing something bad, that's good news. You know, though I, I don't expect people in the world to feel bad. It's our Father who lets us know, who disciplines us because we are his children. But anyway, um, I just, I think what I want to end this time with is, um, I, I've just kind of went through about the past four and a half months another horrible, horrible fire in my life. I mean, something I wish I could have walked around and avoided like crazy. And in fact, I can remember when it first started, I told Tim, I'm never teaching in front of anybody again. I'm never opening my mouth. I refuse. I'm not going to do it. Here I am, you know. But I, God woke me up around the first part of December 
And I, it was like early in the wee hours of the morning, and I heard this in my head, all is forgiven, come home. And I just kind of turned over in bed, and it just boomed again. All is forgiven, come home. And I heard it again. All is forgiven, come home. So I thought, okay, I'm going to get up. Lord, you're talking to me. And I got a piece of paper and a pen. And the Lord began to speak to my heart about living, coming home. And I saw myself coming home to my father's house, literally knocking on the door. And he opens the door. And the first thing that I could only say to him is, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for not caring. I'm not praying, not talking to you. I'm sorry for not forgiving because I was hurt and offended deeply in my soul. And I said I forgave. You know, do you guys know how that is? I forgive. I forgive. But your heart is not going to release. It's not going to release. And so I, I, I came home and I began to repent to my father. And when we do that, when we own ourself and our life, when we're in the presence of all this love and acceptance, we, we want to say we're sorry to restore harmony in our relationship with our father. See, he will always love you, my friend. He will always be your dad. But you can break relationship with him. You can break that fellowship, that harmony with him. That's why you want to come home into his house to experience that love, to experience that, that, that relationship so trust can be restored so you can hear his voice again. You can hear him tell you the secrets of his heart. And then what else I saw was when you come in the house, daddy's house, there are no offenses in his house. You can't live in papa's house and be in his presence with each other and be full of offense, offense be full of unforgiveness. See, you got to let it go to stay in the house. So I just felt this morning that, you know, we want to pray. We want to pray for people that are struggling. Maybe you're struggling with all these orphan thoughts. You can't get it out of your mind. You just can't get past that. Maybe you need somebody to come and fight the enemy off your back long enough that you can hear your father's voice because you're not an orphan. You're a child. You're his son. Or maybe you're struggling with your relationship with your, your earthly dad, trying to figure out how you're going to forgive him. Or maybe you've never had a dad, so how do I know about this stuff? You know, I mean, the, the list is endless. The tragedies of life are endless. But I do know we have a father who comes to fill every empty place. And so much of the time, our souls are in pain. 
when we feel pain, when we feel discomfort, I know, because four months I've been in pain. And let me tell you, it's taken everything I have to stand and to wait, to not get out from underneath that pain, to not try to satisfy myself, fix it, whatever. Whatever we do, right? We're in pain, get the bottle of Advil. <laughs> Go rent the movie. Go have some drinks. Go have sex. I don't know what we do, but we got our ways that we comfort ourselves when our soul is in pain. And you have a father who is here this morning who wants to come to you. Who wants to fill you. Who wants to heal you. And uh, I, I, I can honestly say I, I really don't think anybody here probably doesn't need this. We, we have some people here that want to pray for you, but even if you're sitting next to somebody out there and you don't want to come <laughs> forward or to get prayer, if you are hurting or if you feel this need to know your Father in heaven, just ask somebody to pray for you. Ask somebody to help you. Like, like our sister was sharing. Thank you for sharing that. You know, when we don't ask for help, it's because we're full of our good self. It's your good self that gets you messed up, not your weak self. Ask somebody right next to you to pray for you. Thanks for listening. We want to be a resource for you as you walk with Jesus. So please connect with us at radiantbicelia.com. Until next time. There is a heavenly city that I'm compelled to find. Oh, I love the flowers and trees and the smell of the grinding sea. And all the beautiful things here in life. And I-